tonight to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, as we continue on in our series through the book of Acts on Sunday evenings. And as we get here Sunday night, and we get to the book of Acts, and we get back to our series as last week we weren't in it, and we'll, next week I'm praying about what message to pre- preach at the park. I try to give a more gospel-centered message at the park, because last year we had those guys playing that handball that first gave me some dirty looks. But then after a little bit, they actually were listening in just a little bit. And so they were probably giving me dirty looks when I was singing with Michael playing the guitar. That would give dirty looks. I get that. But um, we want to be a good testimony. But we also need to be bold in our stand for the Lord. You look at our world today. It's a sad state that we live in today as Christians. We look at, I don't know if you noticed, Target came out with some new clothing lines this last week. And uh, pretty bold in their stand there. The was it is it Budweiser that did their thing, and uh, it's amazing that alcoholics have some standards more than some Christians do. There was a church in Texas; they call themselves a church that had a drag night for their families to come to. I don't call that a church. And the United Methodists they are getting really bad on a lot of things, but. It's amazing that people quit drinking a brand of beer because they put a transgender on the cover of it. But, and, you know, some people were really happy about that. But in all reality, they're just going to a different beer. That doesn't change anything. It's still not good. And alcohol doesn't help people, doesn't it? It messes up lives. And drunkenness has messed up a lot of people and hurt a lot of families. Going all the way back into the Bible days, there's a lot that's done. But I do see at least, at least you see some beer drinkers there that have more convictions than some Christians, and it's sad. It really is. We live in a world where everybody's bold about what they stand for and where they stand, but very rarely do you see bold Christians anywhere. I don't know if it's because we want people to like us more. I don't know. I really don't know. My answer is this. I think the less that you are filled with the Spirit of God, the less bold you will be. And I believe the reason today why we have many powerless Christians is not because God is powerless, and they're not bold today because they're not filled with the power of God. God will give us the boldness. And I'm not here to stand up and hate on people and hate on things, but we need to be here to stand for a beacon of truth. God's truth matters. And I don't know if you realize, and it's becoming more and more apparent. It's getting worse. Just in the past six months, it's gotten worse. Everyone's getting very bold about their stuff. Very bold. But you proclaim Jesus and be bold about him, and that's something different. We need boldness. We need to be bold enough to love people. Like our mission at our church, we have three things. Our mission. Our mission is to exalt our Savior. Our church's number one priority is to lift Jesus Christ up and to give him the preeminence in all that we do. Our second thing is to edify God's people. And I think that's scriptural. We're supposed to edify and build up, not tear down his body. I also think that we're supposed to evangelize the lost. And you got, if we're going to exalt our Savior, you've got to stand for what's right. We cannot go along with what our world does. 
as much as we don't want to offend, there are times the Bible offends. And guess what? The Bible's right. And it always will be right. And if the culture doesn't agree with the Bible, the Bible is still just what we need. We looked at a couple weeks ago here in Acts chapter 13. I want you to look at the end of chapter number 13 before we dive into chapter 14 tonight. It says, But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Now do you see what they, what were they filled with? Joy and with the Holy Ghost. So we see that these believers were full of the Holy Ghost. Now look at what happens in, in uh, Iconium here. Look at verse 1 of chapter 14. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, Paul and Barnabas here, and so spake that a great multitude both of Jews and also the Greeks believed. But, so there are people that got saved. Jews and Gentiles get saved in the synagogue here. Look at verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode they, speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. And there was an assault made both of the Gentiles, and also with the Jews, with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them. They were aware of it, and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycona, and unto the region that lieth round about, and there they preached the gospel. So we see that they were full of the Holy Ghost, and then they go into Iconium here. They go into the synagogue, and people get saved, Jews and Gentiles. Isn't that an awesome thing? I think it's awesome for a Jew to get saved. I do. I think it's awesome for a Gentile to get saved. I'm all for anybody getting saved. Hey, after this morning, our first service, two trusted Christ this morning. And got saved this morning. Been coming a few weeks, raised their hand. We were able to talk after the service. They trusted Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. That's a good thing. I'm excited for a Jew to get saved. I'm excited for a Gentile to get saved. I'm excited when people get saved. And I get excited watching sports games. I get excited with lots of things. But if the ministry and God's things don't excite you, then you're missing out. And there's nothing like someone trusting Christ. And so people got saved, but those unbelieving Jews... Those Jews that were stuck in their ideology, stuck in their Judaism, stirred up people against them. And that's what happens. When God's work's being done, there are those that are going to stand up against it. But what I love to see is you don't see them cower in the corner and do nothing. Do we see that here? I think the average Christian of 2023, we would just back down and just give up. No, look at what it says there in verse 3. It says, long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord. Sometimes I think we forget. Do you realize the message we've got? This is God's message. This is what people need. 
People need to hear the word of God. And yes, they might not like it. And yes, people might get stirred up against us in the midst of it, but they need the word of God. And so for a few minutes tonight, I'm going to preach on the topic of being a boldness in ministry. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. We love you. We need you. And help us. You are an awesome God. And you have given us all the tools that we need to reach this world for you. And I don't care if it was 2,000 years ago or if it's 2023. Your power is still there. And you are there to help us in the midst of these days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're here on Wednesday nights, we just went through this last Wednesday night, and I talked about church persecution from 100 to 312 A.D. I think the persecution then is a lot worse than what we face here today. You've got to understand something. The world's always been a bad place, okay? And I think sometimes we look, well, it's never been as bad as today. Go back to the days of Noah, okay? Every imagination of the thought and intent of man's heart was only evil. Now, I know you say a Baptist preacher says every. That means he's embellishing. I get that. But a Baptist preacher didn't write Genesis. God did. And he knows the heart. We're not quite to that level of wickedness in this world. We're getting close. We're not quite there. But we look, and I want you to understand, 2,000 years ago, these people, they didn't want Jesus. They crucified him. And you know, sometimes when people don't want Jesus today, they never have. That's part of man and the wickedness of man. And so as we look here, and as we study this passage out tonight, we see that one of the main characteristics and how they turned the world upside down and how they did what was right, they were bold in their witness for Jesus Christ. There are some people that act bold, but in reality they're not smart with their boldness. I think you know what I mean when I say that. Some are like bulldogs chasing a locomotive. And that's not a wise thing either. We need, and I think about what the Bible tells us. We can look at Acts chapter number 4 and verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. As I talk about boldness tonight, there are groups of Christians out there. In our Baptist circles, I mentioned earlier tonight, I was spending some time with Duncan and Johnny, we were talking about one of my classmates in college, a guy by the name of Steven Anderson. He's a nut. He's a nut, and that's putting it mildly. And he is, he's bold, but he's bold in all the wrong ways and where he stands. And he's a Baptist, but he's too far out there. You hear him speak, you hear him talk, you hear all that he says. I don't one time get the fact that he's ever been with Jesus. I get an angry little man that's got a power trip and trying to build a kingdom for himself. There's a difference between boldness and people realizing you've been with Jesus and being bold and loud and doing it, ang doing it opposite of the fruits of the Spirit. Do you get what I mean? Our goal, I'm not here to beat everybody up everywhere and to have a power trip and to be angry and do all these different things. Some people, they like that. Some people like to kick microphones over. They like to do different things like that. And they can do whatever they want. When, Pete, when I am bold, I want people to see that I've been with the Lord. 
And do you know something? The more time you spend with him, the more you should act like him. Who you hang around matters in life, right? And if you spend time with Jesus, you're going to have more confidence in him, and you might act more like him. And it wouldn't be a bad thing. So I'm not telling you tonight I want you to go hold a picket sign and God hates this. That's not what I'm saying. I don't see Jesus ever pick up a picket sign. I did see him preach the truth. And people need the truth. And when we are bold, this is the boldness I'm talking about. They knew that they had been with Jesus. These men were ignorant. They thought, unlearned men, how in the world? They spent time with Jesus. That was what their boldness was all about. As we look here tonight, I want to talk about Paul and Barnabas and their boldness for the Lord. Number one, as we look at our outline tonight, we see the powerful preaching that took place in Iconium. We see the powerful preaching that took place. And man, thank God for where souls are saved and lives are being changed. And we see that here. As we look here, we see the fact that the last thing we see before we get to it says they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And then they went to the synagogue and spake. They were filled with God's power there. As we talk about the powerful preaching, what is needed for powerful preaching today? Letter A, you need to be in the Spirit of God. That's what's needed. You know, and I really, grow, going to Bible college, growing up in church and all these different things, when I went to Bible college and I went to a preaching class, and I'm not, I, I probably will never teach someone how to preach because I, I don't, that's not my thing to do. And I, I preach, but that's, that's what God's called me to do. I, in my preaching classes, I was letting Johnny and uh, Duncan, I let them see my transcripts from college just a little bit ago, what grades I got in college. <sighs> say, did you let all of us see that? No, I let them see it, not you. Say, how'd you do? I passed. I got my degree. No one ever, but I don't know where it ever said. I didn't see Paul got a degree from a Bible college. But anyways, I'll leave that out in that part of it tonight. But in my preaching classes, and this is not a good statement to make, I didn't one time get told, you need the Spirit of God. You need God's power when you preach. That was never mentioned. Now, I'm going to take it that they assumed that that was the number one thing, and they just didn't have to mention it because we should have known that already. But you can talk about getting loud during a message. You can talk about being animated. You can talk about lots of different things, getting a tear in your eye. If you want powerful preaching, you need the Spirit of God. It's not, and I think he said to Zerubbabel very well in that Old Testament, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Hey, you're never going to do what God wants you to do if you don't have the power of God. When we talk about powerful preaching tonight, it's not about the messenger. It's about the message and the power of God. And what we have tonight is we have a lot of churches that don't have the power of God on them because the pastors don't have the power of God on them. And you say, well, why is that? When we look at the Old Testament, when we look at more in Acts, in Acts chapter number 4 and verse 8 through 10, it talks about Peter again. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, he was filled with the Spirit of God as he preached. Said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deeds done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all 
and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. As we look at his preaching, he was filled with the power of God. As you teach kids in a class, you need to be filled with the power of God. If you're going to teach at Vacation Bible School, you need to be filled with the power of God. If I go down to the rescue mission on Tuesday nights like I do, I need to be filled with the power of God. When I get up on a Sunday morning, I need to be filled with the power of God. On a Sunday night after I'm tired and my mouth's hurting, I still need to be filled with the power of God. It doesn't change. Because people don't need a message from me or a message from you. They need to hear something from God. They need the power of God. And God's power is needed today. And that's why the Bible tells us to not be drunk with wine or in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And I want you to understand something. Ephesians was written to believers. So there are believers that are not filled with the Spirit of God. We need to be filled with the power of God. We need his power. His power is imperative. If we don't have the power of God, if we don't have God's presence in our church, there is no point in doing this thing. We need the power of God. We see as we look at the powerful preaching, it started in the Spirit, letter B, we see they were in the synagogue. They were in God's house, weren't they? It's where the Jewish people would gather for the reading of the Old Testament Scriptures. It was a common place and a common practice to ask visitors and attendants there um, if they wanted to say something. or to, And we see that Paul took advantage of that. And they did it there in the synagogue. And they preached and they gave the word of God there in the synagogue. And what we see happens is we see, let us see, that people were saved because of this. People were saved. The Spirit of God is so important. It's where I'll hear people often. And let's make sure we understand something. You and I don't save anybody, okay? This morning, there have been the, the couple that were in service today, first service, they've been here for a month. I have tried several times to get to their house and get to know them. If someone comes to our church, I try within the first couple weeks to make a visit unless they don't give me their address. If I don't have an address, I can't do it. And so I try my best. And so this couple, you can, you can tell in a service, really, looking around, and not always, but most of the time, you can tell when someone's comfortable and saved and when they're not. And especially when you ask the question, do you know for sure? And I've known for weeks, and I've been praying for this one guy. He just, I can see it. And I've tried everything within my power to talk to him, and nothing's ever worked out. And this morning, I, and if you were in the first service, I mentioned, if you're interested in getting saved, you come find me and we'll go talk. They came to me. In the office, it was, there was, I didn't have to do much. There was not much for me to do because the Spirit of God was already doing the work. They were ready. It was one of those like, you know, what must I do to be saved type things. Like they're like, we've already been sitting here. We know that Jesus is God. We know that we can't do it on our own. They had a question about baptism and a few things. But literally, there wasn't much I had to do because the Spirit of God had brought them to that point. And sometimes I think we look at people and we're like, well, I need to do this. And I, You just need to be filled with the Spirit of God and let God do his thing. 
you give them the word of God, you cannot make someone receive the word of God. You can't. I would love to, but you can't. We see that there's evidence of this here. But we see the powerful preaching. We see the fact that they were full of the Spirit of God. They were there in the synagogue, and we see that people got saved. Spirit-filled people will produce saved people. They go hand in hand. You'll be bold with the witness that God has for you. And there's a lot more I could say there, but we're going to move on tonight. May I just remind you tonight that preaching still works. Preaching is still important. A lot of churches cancel their preaching. They turn, and I'm not against teaching, but preaching is important. And there's a difference between the two. And when someone gets up with the Word of God, filled with the Spirit of God, there's something powerful in it. And it's needed still in this day. We see number one tonight, we see the powerful preaching there in Iconium. We see, secondly, the constant persecution against the gospel. It doesn't stop. And it's not going to stop. When we look at verse number two, it says, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against them. And how terrible. Think about that. How awful it is to try and turn someone from the truth when they're hearing it. That's what they did here. They made them have an evil mind towards Jesus Christ, really. Man, I wonder what their hell was going to be like. That's just, to turn someone and to try and point them away from the gospel, it's just unfathomable to me. But as we look at that, keep reading verse 4 and 5, it says, But the mold to the city were divided, and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also with the Jews with their, the Jews with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them. You see, as we look at this constant persecution, we see, first of all, letter A, we see that there was persecution from unbelievers. It happens. Do you see the word there? It says, and when there was an assault made. Do you see that there in verse number five? That word assault means to rush. They went after them. This was deliberate. There was an assault made. They rushed after them. And we think about, as we talked about on Wednesday night, those that would fill the Colosseums with Christians and have those animals kill them and do what they would do to them for preaching the truth. May I just remind you, persecution came from the unbelievers. We see letter B, that the Gentiles' minds were poisoned by these Jews. They were poisoned. The words, you see what it says there? It says the fact that they made their minds evil, affected. That literally means that the minds of the Gentiles were poisoned to the truth. What they were doing is they were taking Paul and what he, the truth that he was preaching, and he was, they were making it look evil to the people. And so when the people heard the gospel, these people, it, they were turned off to it because of what these Jews were saying to them. And as we look at that, we think about the fact of what it says about our words and the things that we say. Proverbs 15.4 is a great verse on this. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. The Bible tells us in Psalm 39, verse number 1, I said... I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue, but I will keep my tongue with a bridle while the wicked is before me. 
And we need to be very careful at what we say and when it comes out. And I think that this was something that these, that these Jews, these Jews purposely said these things. And they, they hurt the cause of Christ right here. And we need to make sure, you know, I want you to understand something too. We as believers, I think there are times that we say things that hurt the cause of Christ with our lips. We need to be very careful of what we say and think before we speak. You could save yourself a lot of trouble by thinking before you speak. Last week, so at the rescue mission, I go on Tuesday nights and I'm doing a series with the men that stay there and the ones that work there. I'm going through the book of Nehemiah with them. And this week has been about stopping strife, how to stop strife. Because, you know, when you have, there's like 25 guys living there and all that, you know that there's going to be strife with things. Because this is the thing, any relationship of any sort will have strife in it at some point because we're not perfect. And so one of the points that was brought up, so Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter number 5, the people cried out to Nehemiah. They were upset because some people didn't have money for food. Then there were those who had to mortgage their land to get food. There were others that had to mortgage their land to pay their taxes. And then there were the rich Jews that were charging interest and taking advantage of everyone else. And the very next verse says that Nehemiah was, he was mad. But he thought with himself. Before he said a word and dealt with it, he took the time to think through before he spoke. How many times do we say things and not think and get ourselves in a lot of trouble by what we say? Think about how we hurt the cause of Christ at times. And I'm not, I'm not saying you stop people from getting saved because we know the Spirit does, but I'm just wondering, be very careful what you say. Words matter. And so be careful. Think things through. And as we look at this, these Jewish leaders took a public role in speaking out against Paul and Barnabas, and they did enough to cause violence against Paul and Barnabas here. As we look at this and we think about these things, we see the fact that there was powerful preaching that took place. We see when preaching goes and when the word of God and the gospel is being spread, persecution follows. And we talked about it on Wednesday night, and I'll mention it again. They're persecu- they don't like Jesus. This world doesn't like Jesus. The devil doesn't like Jesus. The, you know, you hear it often. You can pray in any name, but don't pray in the name of Jesus. Why? Because people don't like the name of Jesus. And just because they don't like it, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only one that matters. He is better than anything else. We talked about that again this morning. But what I love is that in the midst of preaching and the powerful preaching, the persecution that came, we don't see the missionaries here, Paul and Barnabas, we don't see them fold and give up. We see number three, and lastly tonight, we see the faithfulness of Paul and Barnabas. They stayed faithful to what the Lord called them to do. Verse number three, it says, Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the name of the Lord which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Look at verse number um, 6 and 7. Then they were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of um, Lycona, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. They just didn't stop. You know, what does it take to stop us? If someone picked up rocks, big boulders to stone you and went to assault you, would that stop you? Not Paul and Barnabas. Nope, they just go to the next place and they just preach the gospel. 
They'll get thrown in jail later on, too. They just keep preaching the gospel. They were faithful. And how, and that, how awesome that is as we look here. And when we think about this, how do we deal with opposition? How do we stand to opposition today? Because I want you to know something. The closer we get to the Lord's return and the further America gets away from God, I don't know if you can realize that America's getting further away from God. I am all for separation of church and state. Because we've seen what happens when a church runs a state. And that's not a good thing. And I'm all for the state not running the church. I believe in all of that. The one common missing link to it all is that God needs to be in church and God needs to be in the state. We need God everywhere. That's where we get the mix up there. You know, separation of church and state. Okay, that is true. I do believe, and I want separation of church and state. A lot of the persecution over the past 2,000 years has been caused by church and states together. And we're going to be looking at that more on Wednesday night again this upcoming week. But what I want you to understand is we need God. And what we're doing in America today is we're just throwing God out. That's why Target unleashed their new line of clothing. Because when you remove God, that ideology comes in. Why states are having books for our children to read about perverse things and having drag shows for kids to go to and things like this. You throw God out, this stuff comes in. It is the sign of what happens when you reject God. And America is Romans chapter number one playing out before our very eyes. So with that being said, the opposition's only going to get stronger. So what do we do in the face of opposition? Do we cower? Do we just bow down and say, you do what you want? No, you see, people quit drinking a brand of beer and go drink a different brand of beer. And I'm not for them drinking that beer. But at least they had, at least they had, at least they stopped that. I don't even know if I can say that. I shouldn't even say that part of it. But it just, it's crazy to me that some beer drinkers have more common sense than Christians do. It's really crazy. They took a stand. They took a stand. And they literally have tons of this. And now they're going to camouflage it and do different things with it. Because they got to change something up because people stood up. Not the people I expected to stand up at all. But what do we do in our world as it's only going to get worse? What do, when, the, when, it's get, when Christianity gets frowned upon, what do we do? How do we deal with opposition? We better get this and get this figured out. Letter A, we see that there was prolonged preaching. How did they deal with it? It says in verse number three that the missionary stayed and preached for a long time. You see that there? Hey, do you see, I think it's biblical to have long church services. Do you see that right there? So maybe I need to just have longer services. What do you think? Preach for an hour or two? It was prolonged. In the Greek, I think that means three hours, something like that. Till midnight. They were not discouraged by the opposition. They kept preaching anyways. And you've got to understand something. We want instant spiritual results. We want instant results, instant to those things. It doesn't always happen that way. 
I think about what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15 and 16. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase into more ungodliness. And you know one of the reasons why we back down to opposition? Because we don't really know where we stand and what we believe. If you can't rightly divide the word of truth, how are you going to stand up for what's right? Well, you know, well I just tell, my pastor said, uh, that's not going to add up to a lot. And that's what my pastor said. Because most people don't care what your pastor say. Most of you don't care what your pastor says. That's where a Christian needs to be able to take this book and say, this is what this book says. And I follow this book. But a lot of us aren't bold in our witness and bold in our stand against opposition because we don't know. You might be here tonight and you're like, well, I don't. Well, keep working at it. Grow with it. Study it. Diligently spend time in the Word of God. It's just like I got my dad in his garage. He has so many tools still. And um, he was a diesel mechanic for years. And there's just tools, tools, tools. And I love tools. There's still a lot of those tools I don't have a clue what they do. And if I were to go pick one of them up, I I don't know what it would be good for. you got to learn, right? So if you're going to rightly divide the word of truth, you better get in the word of God. I've been a Baptist my whole life. I was second week being born, I started going to a Baptist church. And I'm not saying this to hurt your feelings or to make you think bad of me or anything like that I was fed a lot of stuff along the way a lot of good stuff and a lot of stuff that was nonsense too about four or five years ago there was a change in my ministry and a change in me because there was no more of just being fed from them what I should do I had to rightly divide God's word I had someone just ask me the other day, what changed your ministry and changed you? I had to do this. I had to study. My Bible college didn't do it for me. I learned more after that. Say, are you against? I'm not against. I think Bible college is a good thing. What it teaches you, the, um, the importance of finishing a task, and when you start, it is good to finish what you start. I'm all for things like that, and I don't think God makes a mistake. Or put, I think that if God leads you somewhere, you stick it out, you do what God's called you to do, and you move forward for God, and I don't think God makes a mistake with those things. But I also think there has to come a time where you rightly divide God's word. Not based on what some man tells you, or lady. But someday, I like passing my classes. I did. And just because someone has an alarm go off at 7 o'clock doesn't mean I'm going to end at 7 o'clock. I was looking at my watch to see, is that 7 o'clock? That's 7 o'clock. That just means five more minutes. They went prolonged. That's what we're reading about tonight. But you need to rightly divide God's word. If your answer for everyone is, well, my pastor says this, or so-and-so says this, and so-and-so says that, that's not rightly dividing God's word. This book says this. This is where I stand. I'm talking with someone today, and they had some belief that from something that I said today, and they were going on about it, and that's fine, and I'm okay with that. But hearing the response 
It was just a bunch of answers that they've taken from someone's book. I would take my answers from this book. It's a little thought there. We see the fact that they, there was prolonged preaching, letter B. And lastly, we see there was bold preaching. And man, I, as we talk about this and as we close this evening, I'm not just talking about bold in your loudness and being, but do you see even their private life here? They just kept going. They followed the Lord. They were bold in the Lord and how we need that today. Think about what Paul says, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse number 2. But even after that we suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Philippians 1, verse number 19 and 20. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and your supplying of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, according to my earnest expectation, my hope, that in nothing I should be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be life or by death. Man, we need to be bold in our preaching. We need to be bold in our holiness for God. And we need to be bold in our faithfulness for God. Charles Wesley, or not Charles, John, the brothers there, John Wesley. This is taken from his diary. From uh, Sunday morning, May 5th. Listen to this. I'm going to read you just a couple of Sundays from his diary, okay? John Wesley. Sunday morning, May 5th, preached in St. Anne's was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday p.m. May 5th, preached in St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday morning, May 12th, preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday morning of May 19th, preached in St. Somebody Else's. Deacon called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m. May 19th, preached on the street, kicked off the street corner. Sunday morning, May 26th, preached in the meadow, chased out of the meadow as bulls were let loose during the service. Sunday morning, June 2nd, preached on the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., June 2nd, afternoon, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came out to hear. He just kept preaching. He just kept preaching. What we need today as the people of God in the day and age that we live we need the power of God. The power of God will give us the boldness we need to get the gospel to this world that doesn't want it. Get filled with God's Spirit. Get bold in your witness. Learn your Bible and where you stand according to the Bible and do something for God. Father, thank you.